shepherds unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. The Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. He also that received two talents came and said, Lord, thou didst deliver it unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. The Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. When he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strawn. And I was afraid and went and hid my talent in the earth. Lo, thou hast that is mine. The Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, Thou knewest that I reap not where I sowed not, and gathered where I have not strong. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he that and uh, he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And he and cast ye the unprofitable servant. Into outer darkness, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. First Corinthians chapter six, verse number nineteen. The Bible says, "What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God." In your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Amen. I know that uh, the prevailing mentality sometimes among people is that uh, as long as my actions and conduct don't hurt anyone, then I'm okay. And it's kind of this sense or mentality that uh, I get to select my own destiny. It's my life. I'll live it how I please. But as a child of God, we understand that our life doesn't belong to us anymore. It's God's life. And everything that we have is from the Lord and it belongs to the Lord. Whether it's our finances, whether it's our time. And our abilities and talents and resources and influence, all of that was given to us by God. And I want to uh, spend some time and speak about the stewardship for just a few minutes, uh, the stewardship of life. And the next four weeks we'll talk about different elements of that stewardship. But today I want to give you what I believe is the message of the Bible, and that is that our life belongs to the Lord, and He's given us everything that we have to see how effective of stewards we're going to be with what the Lord has given to us. Jesus, minister and speak your word today. Open our hearts to receive. Let us gain insight and direction, inspiration and focus from your word today. And let us leave here transformed, not only by your spirit, as many have already been touched and encouraged by the moving of the Holy Ghost, but also let your spirit marry with the word to bring about transformation in our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, Amen. God bless you, and you may be seated. There was a story of a true story. You probably have stories like this from your own life, but a father 
who took his son to the fine dining establishment, McDonald's, and uh, he bought his son a large order of McDonald's french fries. And as they were sitting together, this father and his little boy, enjoying their time together, the dad reached over to take a couple of the french fries. And to the surprise of the father, the boy jerked him back away from him and said, No, no, these are mine, Dad. And uh, the dad was kind of surprised and shocked for a moment, and uh, he couldn't even imagine that this was happening. But uh, he sat reflecting on what had happened about his son and the french fries and the attitude that his son had towards those french fries. And uh, all of this went through his mind. Several thoughts came to him. And uh, these were some of the thoughts. He said, my son has no idea that I am the source of those French fries. It was just five minutes ago that I reached into my wallet and pulled out some hard-earned money and paid for those French fries and turned around and handed them to him. And, uh, and I, also, I have the power to take the French fries from him and he can't have another one. Or I could go up to the counter and give him $50 and I could buy enough French fries to take a bath in. I really don't need the boy's french fries. I could go to the counter and get my own and sit down and eat what I want. This little boy has no money, no job, but he didn't realize that it was his father that provided it for him. Now, as the father reflected about his, his son's inability to give back or to repay the source of those french fries, which was himself, he came to this conclusion. I, I, I didn't really want or need the french fries. As much as I long to see his willingness to share them with me. And uh, I'm a father. I have three girls, and so I can relate to this as well. I have limited resources by which I can provide things for my daughters. But our Heavenly Father is unlimited in his resources. In other words, his bank account has no limits. Everybody said amen. You may be thinking, well, if our father's bank account has no limits, then why aren't I blessed with more? God is a wise father and not like a foolish, wealthy man who would spoil his children with things and then they would be ruined in their character or flawed in their character. And uh, if you think about what our father has in mind when he gives something to us, he, he likes to see us blessed. Our earthly father for a minute now. As a father, you like to see your kids enjoy things. And you like to buy them things so that you can watch them enjoy. But a, but a good father is more interested in the character development of the child than the pleasure of the child. Everybody understand. You, you want to see your kids enjoy things and be blessed with good things. But a good father is more concerned with the character than for the pleasure of a child and God's blessings upon our lives are not just for our pleasure, but they're also to test us, to give us lessons and to improve us in our lives. So God brings us and takes us to McDonald's and he blesses us with some French fries and not literally French fries because some of our fries have different shapes and uh, some have more French fries than other people. But God gives us whatever it is that we have if we recognize his position as our heavenly father. And then he sits down with us to fellowship and maybe reaches for one of those blessings. 
And when we, when we withdraw and claim ownership, uh, our Heavenly Father is thinking, in essence, uh, they have no idea that I am the source of those French fries. And just like the, the uh, ignorant or immature child who forgot or doesn't realize that my dad is the one who can cut off the supply and can give me as much as I want, I have no access to them on my own. It's only through his provision we find ourselves in that same stratus of immaturity when we say uh, the same thing or resist like that from the Lord. And God is thinking, I have the power to take it from them. And uh, ultimately, God doesn't need our French fries. Anybody understand that? <laughs> God doesn't need our French fries. But he wants us to share with him. Not because he's needing or hurting but he is trying to pass something on to us. He wants his characteristics to show up in us. And God is a giver. Can I get an amen? The Bible says, John chapter 3 and verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. And we see throughout the Bible, God is always giving, giving Giving. That's the character and the nature and the tendency of our Heavenly Father. But isn't it interesting what our response can be sometimes? I want that back. But what He really wants is for us to pass it and to be willing to release what He's put in our hands. And because the Lord gives, He's a giver by nature and He loveth a cheerful giver. Amen. Does it make you feel good, those that are parents of little children, when you watch your parent, your kids begin to share? Isn't that neat? Isn't it kind of embarrassing and disappointing when they have plenty, someone wants to have part of it, and they refuse to share? As a parent, you're like, oh, we've got some work to do here. We've got to help develop the character of this child. And the same is true with our Heavenly Father when we are blessed with His provisions, with what He has given to us. And number one, we don't want to give back to the kingdom of God. Number two, we don't want to give to those that are in need and those that are hurting. Because the Bible says that the Lord loveth a cheerful giver. Somebody who recognizes what the source of their provision is and is willing to be sensitive to the Spirit of God, to the leading and the prompting of the Spirit to bless and help those that are in need. Now, if I was to take my sermon today for the next few minutes and I was to sum it up into one sentence, if you could remember the sentence, you would get the gist of what I'm saying today. This would be the sentence right here. Everything that we have is from God. And when we understand that we are stewards instead of owners of what we have, then God can bless us and use us greatly. Let me say that again. Everything that we have is from God. And when we can understand that we are stewards instead of owners, He can bless us and He can use us greatly. Until we get that fact, until we get that reality... We are limited in how God can bless us, and we are limited in how God can use us as well. So to make this clear, I want to show you the difference between a steward 
and an owner because we're talking today about the stewardship of our life. What God has given to us, our breath, our strength, our resources, our talents, our gifts, everything that we have are a blessing from God. Do you realize that today? God gives to every man severally as he will. Some he gives more, some he gives less. In his infinite wisdom, I'm not even going to try to figure it out. But everything I have is from God. And if I understand that, I'm not an owner, but I'm a steward of what he's given me, then he can bless me. And then he can use me in powerful ways. The passage of Scripture that we read, the first passage from Matthew about the traveler that went away. It says the kingdom of God is like this. It's like a traveler that went away and he left his resources with these stewards. And uh, steward, what is a steward? A steward is a person who is entrusted with the management of something that belongs to someone else. You could uh, imagine if someone owns a beautiful household and uh, he hires a steward or a servant to take care of it, to make sure it's managed, to make sure it's kept up, uh, to make sure that uh, no one defaces it and that it's protected. Or uh, maybe it's finances or an estate. It's a person who is protecting the interest of that thing for another person. Now, the story that we read in Scripture reveals that everything that was given out was ultimately owned by this man who was the traveler who was going on a journey This one who was going to be gone for a while, which is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was with us, and then he he said, I go to prepare a place for you. And those of us that are children of the King, those of us that are spirit-filled, walking with God, should recognize that everything that we have has been given to us by our Heavenly Father. And uh, so the servants were entrusted with the money, and they were expected to wisely care for the money and to multiply the Master's resources. Here is this biblical concept of stewardship that so many people don't understand. When they hear the word stewardship, they think, well, we're going to take up an offering. But that's not what it's talking about. Stewardship is about grasping the concept that everything I have is owned by God and I am just a manager of those things. Even my talents, even my time, If I get 75, 85, 90 years on this planet, these minutes are not mine. They are a gift from God. These hours and these days are a gift from God. And I am not the owner of these days. I am the manager of these days. Even my income and my resources, my talents, my strengths and my abilities, there's so much a part of us that we feel like we possess them. But when you understand the principle of stewardship, you realize these are not mine. These are given to me by God. And ultimately, I am a manager. And ultimately, I'm going to have to give an account for how I use these things and how I manage these gifts that God gives to me. See, it it brings a completely different attitude about life when you recognize yourself as a manager rather than an owner. Because when you, when you see yourself as a manager, when God blesses you, when you have gifts, if it's finances, resources, talents, then you are thankful. But if you see yourself as an owner, you become prideful. You guys with me now? If you recognize that I'm a steward, then you look at everything in the context of the master's kingdom. 
But if you look at it as an owner, you, uh, your response is, look at what my time and my energy and my gifts has provided and accomplished and done. If you look at it as a manager, you recognize it's transient and only here today. If you look at it as an owner, your, your idea is this is my kingdom and it's permanent and it's here today and it will always be mine. And if you look at it as a manager, you will say, what I have is not for me, but it's to pass on to someone else. I have been blessed and I'll enjoy the blessing, but I've been blessed so that I could be a blessing. But if you look at it as an owner, you said, look at the value of the things I put my effort into. I'm going to please myself. And what brings me the greatest comfort and the greatest pleasure is what I'm going to do. So it's a different attitude when you recognize the stewardship of your life versus the ownership of your life. You're not your own. You're bought with a price. All of us would be hopeless, hopelessly undone. In fact, we couldn't even draw a breath were it not for the blessings of God on our lives. And sometimes our pride gets in the way of recognizing that everything that I have was given to me by God. You may say, well, God didn't go work 40 hours for it, but God got you up in the morning and started you on your way and gave you a breath and your strength and your ability and the mental power. And your heavenly father can stop the french fries anytime he wants. He can stop the flow anytime he wants. Amen. Life is short and brief, but life is also tenuous. And we have no promise or guarantee of tomorrow. Thank God for his blessings when I wake up in the morning and see the sunshine. Thank God that he gave me another day. Not like I walk out all cocky like I'm entitled to today. This is my day. I'm going to take this day and I'm going to carpe diem. Seize the day. But you say this is a blessing from God. It's another gift from God. Thank God for this day. And when my paycheck comes, I don't pridefully stuff it in my pocket and say, look how good I am. I can earn more money in 40 hours than these pitiful folks that are trying to such and such and so forth and and, and whatever. You say, thank God for this blessing. Thank God that he allowed to provide this for me. And, and uh, this is mine. And he, he's given it to me. And I can take care of my needs. And I can take care of my family. But I've got to recognize that this is in the context of God's kingdom. And I am a steward of everything that God has given me. I'm going to tell you right now that this understanding of revelation is key to spiritual maturity. If you don't get this, you're going to struggle. And struggle. And struggle. And struggle with gray hair later. And struggle with wrinkles later. <clears throat> and struggle with an aching body later. Come on, somebody. Because you got to get this. And the sooner you get this, the more you can start to put God's principles into play into your life. This is like base one. This is like beginners. This is like starting out. Uh, when I gave my life to the Lord, I really gave my life to the Lord. Uh, and I recognize that everything I have is given to me by God. And when I get this, that I'm a manager, not an owner. Then I put myself in position for God's blessings and understand, too, that from the passage of Scripture that we read, that there is coming a day when the master will require for us to give an account of what we had done with what we have been given. And there are consequences and rewards for the stewardship of what they have been given. The kingdom of God is like this. God left. When he left, he invested in you abilities, talents, resources, time. He gave it to you. He put it in your hands. 
But there's coming a day when there will be a reckoning and there will be blessings as a result. Amen. Did you notice that it said that uh, if you're faithful over a few things, you'll be made ruler over many things? And there are people who are poor stewards of what they have now and wonder why God doesn't open the door to more. The first step is to understand this belongs to God. And then you can start to learn to be a good steward. But you don't learn to be a good steward until you understand that you are a steward and not an owner. If you think, if you think you're an owner, you think this stuff is yours, you think that house is yours. Amen. But I paid for it. I got a deed. Who cares? Atomic bomb goes tomorrow. Deeds aren't going to matter. Worth anything. Taken over by an invading force. I know. I know. Everything's cool. We live in the United States of America. Everything's. But God put Adam and Eve in the garden and said, take care of it. He didn't say you own it. He said, take care of it. Amen. We're on this earth. And the blessings that we have from God are his provisions. And we've got to keep that in our minds. Keep that in our mindset that we are stewards rather than owners. If you believe it, say amen. Amen. And there are three key things that we receive uh, that we must recognize are from him and we will give an account for. That is our time, our talents and our abilities and our treasure or our resources. And I want to talk just for a second about the stewardship of time. Time is an invention of God. Did you know that? Mm -hmm. God put the sun and the moon in 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 the stars in the sky. Divided the day from the night and created seasons and years. So time is an invention of God. In Psalms chapter 90, 90 and verse 12, it says, So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. That simply means teach us to allot our time wisely. To take good advantage of our time and allot it wisely. And uh, you may say, well, how would I become a better steward of my time? Do I need to take a time management class or do I need to get a new day timer or a new app for my smartphone that will help me be a better manager of our time rather than do all these things I think the thing those things can help but I think the most important thing the fundamental thing is you've got to look at the example of Jesus Christ he's the example of our lives do you believe that that Jesus is our example in order to look at the example of Jesus you got to look into the Bible because the Bible is where the story of Jesus is contained and the Bible is the source of timeless principles of time management. I like to watch and observe Jesus. He never seemed worried or hurried. He just seemed kind of relaxed. Hurry, Jesus. He's about to die. Jesus just walking along. No panic. No sense of remorse for time that was lost. But he spent his time praying and teaching, helping, healing, and interacting. Why? Because he knew from a young age what his purpose was. He said, I must be about my father's business. And all the other business takes second place to my father's business. So traditional approaches to managing time focus on segmenting time and prioritization and so forth. But really, time management should be boiled down to this question. Are you listening right now? Here's a good question for time managers. And that is, what is really going to matter at the end of my earthly days? What is really going to count when they close the casket and put me in the ground? I know that's morbid, but it's the facts, brothers and sisters. If the Lord delays his coming, there's going to be a funeral for every person in this house. 
Well, not me. I'm going to live forever. Sometimes kids have that mentality and young people. Boy, when you start pushing 40, you realize I might have more behind me than ahead of me. Amen. What really matters? What's going to count? And this is how you should take uh, account of your time. And there is one thing that I, I, I feel guilty about. And I feel like I'm, I'm going to pray and ask God to help me about this. And that is I get so caught up in the business of life. The business of life. Some of you may fall prey to this as well. You're taking care of the minutia of business so carefully. And your kids are asking for your attention. Your kids are crying out for your time. Stop for a minute. What really, really matters? I know you've got to take care of your business. I know you've got to do that. But the reality is nobody else is going to take care of those kids for you. Nobody else is going to invest values in them. Nobody else is going to care for them. So at the end of the day, what really matters? And ultimately, only what's done for Jesus Christ will last beyond the frame of this time that we live here on the earth. Amen? So what really is going to matter at the end of our earthly days? Our highest priority is to be like our Lord Jesus Christ and give ourselves wholeheartedly in His service. God's looking for some people that are willing to say, I'm going to give you my heart, I'm going to give you my soul, I'm going to give you my time, my energy. He's not saying you've got to quit your job and quit your resources and quit focusing on your family. All of this is an important part of serving God. But the reality is, the priority is, God, everything that I'm doing, even raising in my kids. I'm doing it for your glory. What I do at work, I'm doing it for your glory. And I'm putting the kingdom of God first because I'm yours. And I recognize that everything I have and everything I am belongs to you. Hallelujah. I got the point. I got the message. I realize it's from you and I'm just a manager, not an owner. Bless me, Lord God, as a result of this understanding and my willingness to operate on this. Amen. Praise God. Life is brief. James says that it's like a mist that appears for a while and then vanishes. 75, 85 years seems like a long time. But in the scope of history, it's not very long. And when you look and you see your children, it seems like they're growing up right before your eyes. It seems like they're 10 years old and they were just 5 years old and they were just a baby. Life is vanishing that's why the Bible says, redeem the times, wisely invest the hours of your day, because we only have so much time. It's a limited resource, and it is vanishing. My life is not here to stay. My life is a mist that appears for a while and then vanishes. I want to take advantage. I want to redeem the times. I want to wisely use the days that I have been entrusted with. I am a steward of what God has entrusted to me, and I want to use those days. And Dr. Martin Luther King said this, We must use our time creatively, forever realizing that the time is always right to do right. It's always right to help somebody and minister and bless somebody. Praise God. And what matters the most as we, as we are stewards of our time is the depth of our devotion to our God. How we stewarded our days in faithful service to the Lord Jesus Christ. The depth of your devotion is the most important thing. And when I say the depth of devotion, maybe it comes to mind, you come to mind of a, a monk in a monastery who dedicates every waking moment to 
uh, being secluded in this sacred setting. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that through devotion, it's expressed at every level and in every activity of our life. Paul said it this way, whether you eat or drink, do it all for the glory of God. When I wake up in the morning, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I'm going to take my anointing to work with me and I'm going to work to benefit people. I'm going to do my very best. I want to be a blessing everywhere that I go because I belong to the Lord and this day is a gift from God. I can either squander it or I can use it to bring glory to Him to expand and further the kingdom of God. Amen. When I wake up in the morning, when I lay my head to rest, I can declare I'm blessed because I realize that day is a gift from God. Thank you, Lord, for this day. I'm thankful and I want to do my very best. Oh, yeah. You think it's yours. I've never seen a hearse with a U-Haul attached to it. Amen. Brother Eric is in the funeral home business. You, you ever seen that before? You see somebody pull, pulling a hearse out to the... Pulling a U-Haul with the hearse. You can't take it with you. It's not yours. Praise God. Well, I can leave it to my kids. Go ahead and leave it to your kids and they'll blow it. Come on, how many seen that before? Well, what can you do? Amen. That doesn't mean you can't have savings, you can't have 401ks, you can't leave things to your kids. But the reality is you've got to understand this is not mine. This is God. If I get $400, how much of it belongs to the Lord? Oh, you guys are sharp. You're ahead of me. And when somebody would say, $40. Well, that's the tithe, but all of it belongs to the Lord. He lets us keep the largest portion of it. Unless he decides, I want to watch you share your blessings and your provision because you're a wise steward of what God has put in your hands. So everything that we do can be dedicated to the Lord. Even mundane tasks boils down to our motive. Are we serving Him or are we just serving ourselves? God help all of us to pray through. God help all of us to be conscious of this. God put us here to be a light. And we didn't, God didn't put us here to be a light for ourselves, but a light to a world that's hurting and hungry. And Jesus' life taught this principle. If you really love God, you will truly love people and do whatever it takes to steward your moments and your days in a way that communicates that love to people communicates that love to those that are hurting oh god speak to us today let it transform us and change us and not just be words that are spoken but let it be words dear god that gets in our heart and produce a harvest of good works let us provoke one another to good works amen when i wake up tomorrow it's not about how much pleasure can i find and how much peace can i have in this world and how can i take care of myself but god i want to wake up and say lord what can i do to minister and bless and show the love of Jesus to other people because this day is not my day. It's a gift from you. Now, the story that we read at the Good Samaritan before Jesus began to tell the story, it really began with a lawyer who came to Jesus trying to justify himself when he said, who is my neighbor? Of course, the story is the uh, good Samaritan and the story of the Good Samaritan. I'm sorry, I, I may have confused someone there. And the story of the Good Samaritan began with the lawyer that came to Jesus. Jesus told the story of this man who was on a journey who was beaten. 
And while he was beaten, there were three people that showed up. Priest, Levite, and the Samaritan. There was also a robber in the story. There was three attitudes displayed there. The robber's attitude was, what's yours is mine, and I'm going to take it from you. And this is the picture of uh, one who is filled with greed and sinful lust, the lust of the flesh. What's yours is mine, and I'm going to take it. But then we see the priest and the Levite, they had a completely different attitude, and it was, what's mine is mine, and I'm going to keep it. This is an attitude of someone who would never rob from anyone else. But the law said they shouldn't touch anything unclean, and they thought this man to be dead, so they passed him by. He was off limits because of their religious duties. But Jesus taught through his principles that grace and love was above the law. Amen. Remember when he healed a person on the Sabbath day? And they said, "Uh uh-oh, you healed somebody on the Sabbath day. He's like, what's wrong with you guys? Don't you understand that grace and love transcend and supersedes? And uh, this attitude of what mine is mine, it seems pretty nice at first. They're not going to hurt anybody else. Uh, They're not going to break any rules, and they're not going to make any enemies. But this attitude of what mine is mine is insufficient. Uh, Amen. It's not good enough because you can't keep it. Uh, Praise the Lord. Amen. Is this world going to be any different because you were born Are you going to leave this world better than when you found it? You won't if your attitude is what's mine is mine. Praise God. But finally, the good Samaritan said, what's mine is yours and I'm going to give it. All three men saw the same problem. Two of them moved on and one stopped and helped. I want to remind you again that everything we have is from God. And when we understand that we are stewards of it rather than owners, then he can bless us and use us greatly. We've been called stewards of the treasure or our resources, the gifts that we have. And uh, in the text of Scripture that we read at the beginning, the story of the profitable and unprofitable servants, we learned that to the good stewards there was more coming, more blessing if they were good stewards. If they took, That's why I want to encourage you, if I could just pause here for a minute, if you're at all able to come to the class today at 5.30 and just listen in. It's just an introduction to Financial Peace University. And these are biblical principles to teach you how to manage your resources in the right way, how to take the finances that come to you and use them wisely. And this is important because the Bible gives us this basic fundamental principle that if we mismanage what we have, then we're not going to get more. But if we learn to manage what we have, then more is coming our direction. Amen. We're faithful over a few things. Be a Lord over many. And so if we want to expand our influence and our capability to give and to bless, we have to learn to be stewards of what we have now. Uh, Have you heard before this uh, um, or or thought this? Um, When the publisher's clearinghouse thing comes in the mail. Anybody know what publisher's clearinghouse is? Yeah. And, and you open it up and says, you could already have won $15 million. It used to be Ed McMahon. You remember that? When, when he, you may have already won $15 million. And I was like, I remember the first time I got it, I was like, mother. This has my name on it. Look. I had that I had that experience on the other shoe just this week when my my daughter came to Dad come here Dad come here Dad come Dad come here right now 
do you need? Right now, come here. Come here. Oh, I only got 49 more seconds. I only got 48 more seconds. She pulled me in there in front of the computer. It says, you have just won a free iPad. Click here within the next 50 seconds. And I had to say, oh, that's junk. Put, push the X. You're going to infect our computer with some kind of a virus or something. But uh, this way of thinking is, man, if I win that publisher's clearinghouse, first thing I'm going to do is give $5 million. Of that $15 million, I'll give $5 million to the church. You know what I mean? Everybody thinks that way. But let's think about that. $5 million of $15 million, that's 30%. But you don't even give 10% now of what God has given you? What's the chances? Amen. What's the chances of you getting that $15 million? What's the chances of you even getting any more than you're making right now? Because you learn to be a steward with what you have if you want doors to open to bigger things. And because of that, I encourage you to be a part of uh, this class today at 530. Now, um, we have to have the right perspective on our resources. And that is having the right focus on the source, realizing that it came from God. Every earthly resource comes from a heavenly source. In 1 Chronicles chapter number 29, in verses 1 through 9, it talks about the incredible offering that uh, King David received to build the temple of God that Solomon ultimately built. Plenty of uh, wonderful things of uh, resources, gold and silver and brass and uh, all, all the beautiful things that people gave free will towards the production or the development of this thing and then of this temple. And then in verses 10 through 16, this is a prayer that David prayed that's very powerful. Verse 10, it says, Therefore David blessed the Lord before all the congregation. And David said, Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. The kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come of thee. Let me read that again. Both riches and honor come of thee, and thou reignest over all. And in thine hand is power and might, and in thy hand is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now, therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. But who am I and what is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? For all things come of thee and of thine own have we given thee. For we are strangers before thee and sojourners as we all are, as were all our fathers, our days on the earth as a shadow and there is none abiding. O Lord, our God, all this store that we have prepared to build thee an house for thine holy name cometh of thine hand and is all thine own. These are some of the most powerful verses teaching us that God is the source of every blessing. David said we recognize. Notice it almost sounds contradictory. It says all this store that we prepared to make thine house cometh of thine hand and is all thine own. We know ultimately, God, where it came from. Amen. You could circle your Bible, verse 11, where it says all. Verse 14, all things come from thee. Verse 16, it is all your own. It is all thine. All these sayings are saying this very thing. I am the source. God is the source. The French fries come from your heavenly Father. Amen. It's all His. 
It's in your hands to make great. It's in your hands to give strength to all. And David had a thorough understanding that God was sovereign and in control ultimately. All these things come from you and of your own we have given you. All this abundance is from your hand and is all your own. Praise God. So what are we saying? We're saying very simply, you got to understand that God is the source of everything. God owns my house. God owns my car. God owns my savings account. Everything. Amen. There is nothing that we have that God didn't give us. You may say, well, what about all the hard work I've done to get all of the above? And I will say, who gave you the energy and the abilities and the health? To be able to do it. God gives to us and he delights when we give back to him and when we give it to other people. It just it makes our heavenly father feel good. Now, just think about the kid with the French fry. If he's stingy with his dad and stingy with his friends. His dad's going to say, I'm not sure I want to give him any more French fries. But if a dad has limitless resources and he watches his son. Go give french fries to the other little boy at the other table who doesn't have french fries. It's going to make that father proud. And he said, hey, this boy has learned how to share. I'm going to give to him. I'm going to give to him. I'm going to further impress this principle upon him until he becomes a person who is willing to share and to give. Our Heavenly Father is the same way. And when we hoard, when we think of it as our own, and when we uh, resist or resent any efforts that God puts on our hearts to begin to release some of it, guess what happens? God says, okay. I mean, you're not learning the lesson here. You're not getting the point. But when we learn to give, we open up. You've got to trust God and believe that he ultimately is in control. If you don't trust or believe that, then it won't work for you. Praise God. Amen. And God, as a parent, is hurt when we're immature and we have a limited understanding that it was his from the beginning. Amen. There's no greater delight than to have your kids share with you and with other people. We've got to understand that God has the ability to give. He's not limited. Amen? Amen. Does your God have the ability to give you what you need? There's absolutely nothing in my life that I'm going through that an all-sufficient God in His abundance of grace cannot give me. God's going to take care of me. Amen? Amen? But not only does God have the power, but He has the willingness to give. Anything He would ask you to do right now, He has already given you the resources for. Would you send your kid to the grocery store? Well, I could stop there because most of you wouldn't. Because, no, not on foot. But let's say you lived in Mayberry. Would you send your kids to the grocery store to buy a gallon of milk and not give them enough money for the milk? You're going to make sure they have enough. So we've got to trust God that whatever he needs us to do, he's going to give us enough. But we're like, I want more. I want enough for tomorrow. That's not how God works. Give us this day our daily bread. The manna came down and you got enough for that day. If you, got, if you tried to hoard some, what happens? You wake up in the morning, it's got worms and it stinks. Amen? So you get enough for the day. Unless it's the Sabbath and they gather double, but they got enough for the day. And sometimes we get upset with God because He doesn't give us enough resources to uh, uh, take care of our needs way off down into the future. But God will take care of you. God is willing to take care of you. Amen? God's not going to ask you to go through a trial or a difficulty or a dark place without giving you beforehand the grace and the discernment and the power and the strength to make it through. He will not put on you more than you can bear. Amen. 
Our problem is we want resources that we don't need. God won't give me today what I won't need until tomorrow. But do I trust him? Do I really trust him? Praise God. And we're in partnership with God. And the reason that God gives, just like with Abraham, he blessed him so that he could be a blessing to others. And God gives us so we can turn around and give back to him and give to others as well. Remember, everything that we have is from God. And when we understand that we're stewards instead of owners, he can bless us with more and he can use us greatly for his kingdom. Praise the Lord. Now, there are three basic things, and we're wrapping up here, that we can do with our money. Number one, give it cheerfully to accomplish God-honoring purposes. Number two, spend it reasonably to meet personal needs and fulfill personal desires. And the third one is to save it strategically to extend its value and to meet needs in the future. And we'll talk about these things during Financial Peace University. Here's some important things to remember if you want to steward your finances. Enjoy things, but don't cherish them. The Bible says set your affections on things above. If you fall in love with things, you're going to be in trouble. Share things joyfully, not reluctantly. And think like a pilgrim, not a settler. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Amen. The Bible says, don't store up for yourself treasures on the earth where moth and dust doth corrupt and thieves break through and steal. But put your treasures in heaven because where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Amen. Stewardship of life includes stewardship of my time and my treasure and my talents. When I say talents, I'm talking about your gifts, you as an entire person, your life. In closing, when God called Moses... He said, I want you to go do something for me. I want you to go command Pharaoh to let the people go. Moses said, how? God says, what's in your hand? What's in your hand? Moses said, "Ah, it's a shepherd's staff. I am a shepherd. Here's my staff. And God said, okay, throw it on the ground. It became a serpent. He said, pick it up. Picked it up. It became a rod again. He said, okay, I want you to go before Pharaoh and I want you to use this rod this staff that was in your hand here's the principle god wants to take whatever we have and turn it into an instrument of his power amen notice moses didn't have a bow and arrow he didn't have a uzi assault rifle he didn't have the scepter of a king all he had was the staff of a shepherd and that staff represented who he was and i want to tell you right now god wants you God desires to use you. You say, but what about the person that has all this talent? What about the person that has all the resources? Why would God want to use me? He called for Moses' staff because he wanted to share to you and me. That it's just something simple. Amen. It wasn't his skills or his intellect or his speaking ability. Look at the disciples that Jesus chose. He didn't choose people that had wealth 
or prominence in the community or religious leaders who were well-schooled. He chose fishermen, people that were probably looked down on, just simple dudes uh, who said, okay, God, I'm yours. Everything I have, everything I am, I'm going to follow after you. And the staff represented who Moses was. It represented him as a shepherd. But this staff became the rod of God. That's what it was called later. It was the rod of God. It no longer belonged to Moses, but it was surrendered to God and it was endued with great strength. It was this staff that began the plagues. It was this staff that parted the Red Sea. It was the staff that brought water from the rock and whatever you have. Amen. God put it in your hands. It may not be as impressive. It may not be as worth as much. It may not be as powerful as what your brother has or what that other person has. But God says, if you'll give it to me, if you'll give it to me, I'll use it and I'll do something powerful. But you got to get it first. You got to get it first. I'm not an owner. I'm a steward and a manager of what God has. Let's stand together right now. Hallelujah. 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 So God is asking for the same thing. God's saying, what's in your hand? Not necessarily something literal. Not what you have in your accounts. Not your talents or abilities or resources, but he's talking about you. He's talking about you for his services and for his purpose. Because guess what? Your life, when it's given to the Lord, (laughs) can be used powerfully to do something for God. Your yielded life can become a rod of God endued with power to do great things for the Lord. Oh God, help us. But God's not looking just for our intellect. And He's not looking just for our emotions. He's not looking for people who just affirm His Godhood and say, I believe in Christ. He's not looking for people who will just be moved with emotions because of the words that's spoken. But He's looking for those who would move beyond the mind and the emotions and get to the area of the will and say, God, my life is yours. My tomorrows are yours. See, because I could yield to Him my intellect and say, I believe. I could yield to Him my emotions and say, God, just let Your uh, anointing flow over me. Let the tears flow. But when, when we do like Jesus did and say, not my will, but Thine be done, we are placing ourselves in God's hands and saying, in essence, God, I know I don't have as much as this other person. My skill level's not there. I don't have the resources. I don't have the background. I don't come from the family. But God, I want to put what I have in Your hands. And God says, that's all I'm looking for right now. I'm looking for somebody that will give their life to me. And when you make that decision, when you make that choice, you become a steward of what God gives you. Recognize that my life is not my own. I'm bought with a price. And Lord Jesus, let your will be done in me. Let your will be done through me. Let your will be done all about me. I'm yours, Lord Jesus. I remember the old song that said, All to Jesus I surrender. All to Him. I freely give. Hallelujah. I'm going to learn to turn it over to you, Jesus. I want to release it. I want to put it in your hands. I think today would be an awesome day. I'm going to use some language you don't hear very often. But it's important language. I believe today would be an awesome day for somebody, a young person, a child, a mother, 
to say, I want to give my life to the Lord. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want him to use me however he sees fit. That doesn't mean you're saying that you're going to be a preacher or a full-time minister. But what it means is you're going to put your life in, in the hands of the Lord. So whether you're a manager at a store, whether you work with your hands in the field, whether you work in education, whether you work in medicine, whether you work in sales, whatever it is that you do, you're saying, God, my life is yours. My tomorrows are yours. My resources are yours. My talents and my abilities are yours. I'm not giving you lip service today, God, but I want you to flow through me. I want your anointing to flow through me. And I recognize today that the only way that can happen is if I realize that all I am and everything I am is a gift from you. Every day that I wake up in the morning, it's from you. It's not mine. I don't possess it. I don't take ownership of it. But I want to manage it well, Lord Jesus. My resources, my gifts, everything you put in my hand, I'm giving it to you. So the Lord says today, what's in your hand? Hallelujah. What's in your hand? Are you willing to give it to him? Before we leave today, I want us to just pray. And uh, we'll open up this front here that you can come forward if you want to for just a few moments. As uh, Sister Brown begins to sing, I want us to make this step of commitment that our lives are not our own, but they belong to the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's just move in real quick. Pulling close as the body of Christ. Hallelujah.
has gone forth and Jesus is calling Jesus is calling to young and old alike the Lord is calling amen he's not calling for people who are perfect he's not calling for people that have no skeletons in their closet and never made mistakes he's not calling for people who have all the gifts and the resources necessary and available but he's just like he called Moses calling a man who was once a murderer who ran from God. He was calling a man at a simple profession as a shepherd. He said, I just want you to give me my life. Give me your life. Hallelujah. God's calling some young people right now. God's calling to you and saying, I just want you. I just want you. I want to use your life. You may go through some ups and downs, through some trials, some twists and turns, but give your life to Jesus. Give your life to Him. And say, God, things may come. Trials and difficulties may come. It may be exciting sometimes. And there are other times when living for you may not be as exciting as what I see on the outside. But I give myself to you, Lord Jesus. My life is not my own. To you I belong. I give my life completely and totally to you, Lord Jesus. Have your way. Let your will be done. Let your glory be shown in my life. Lord Jesus, I pray right now for every person, Jesus, under the sound of my voice that's heard the call of God today, that God has spoken to their heart uh, about living for you, Jesus, and giving themselves wholeheartedly to you. I pray in the name of the Lord as they take these steps of faith, of walking with you, Jesus, hearing your voice, Lord, being led by your word and your spirit. God, that your anointing would be with them, that you give them peace, Lord Jesus, uh, as they step forward. And when the enemy comes in, the devourer seeks to steal the seed of the word. I pray, Lord God, shoo it away and protect them, Lord Jesus. Protect our hearts, Lord God. Let the seed get deep in their hearts, Lord. Let there be something inside of them that says, God, if you can use anything, you can use me, Lord. Take my hands, take my feet, take my heart, whatever I have, Lord Jesus. I, I put it in your hands, Lord God. My life is not my own, Jesus. 
I'm yours, Lord. Everything I have, Jesus, everything I am, God, I surrender myself to you, Lord Jesus. Let me be a part of your kingdom. Let me help move the kingdom forward. Let me be about my Father's business. Hallelujah. Let me be about my Father's business. Put it in my heart, Lord Jesus, to serve you. Put it in my heart to live for you and be righteous in an ugly, filthy world. Oh, God, I give myself to you, Jesus. I give my heart to you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Not that I can be popular or recognized, Jesus, but I want to be used. I want you to take what I have. I want you to do it with your power. Let your will be done. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, I pray for each individual that's here today. Lord, as we leave this house, let your anointing be upon us. Let your purpose be done through us. Jesus, we rebuke the devourer. In the name of the Lord, we pray, Jesus, that you would render his fiery darts ineffective to the minds and the hearts of the believers at Life Church. Be not weary in well-doing. In due season ye shall reap if you faint not. Keep living for God. Keep serving Him. Let Him exalt you. He'll do it in due season. Hallelujah. He'll do it in due season. If you want to exalt yourself, the Bible says you'll be abased. But if you let God exalt you, He'll exalt you. If you humble yourself in due season, in the name of the Lord, keep your shoulder to the wheel. Keep living for God. Remain faithful to the house of God. Remain faithful in living for God. And watch and see if God doesn't turn around and do something beautiful through your life. I'm yours, Lord Jesus. I'm yours, Lord Jesus. I'm walking with you, Jesus. I'm on the Lord's side. Hallelujah. I want to be in the kingdom of God. Thank you, Jesus. Go with each one. Guide and protect them. Keep the joy of the Lord in their heart. Bring them back here. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Full of faith. In Jesus' name, amen.